Welcome to the For Fox Sake podcast, by the fans, for the fans. With all the news, views and discussion from two lifelong Leicester City supporters. It's your show, so get in contact, make yourselves heard, what's your opinion? The only Leicester City podcast that's by the fans, for the fans. This is For Fox Sake. Hello and welcome to For Fox Sake. My name is Pete Selby and we're outside the King Power Stadium with Rob Hayes. Looking on your phone. Put your phone down, you're on air. I'm just uh, double checking the, the team lineup so that we can, uh, oh, we can discuss it ahead of... Uh, it's Friday night. King Power Stadium, Newcastle game. You and I doing a podcast in the same place for probably like the third time this season. Isn't it, isn't it nice? <laughs> yes, it is. It's been fantastic. We're standing right next to a big Sky Sports trailer, truck, lorry with all the bits and bobs. We can, we could ruin, we could sabotage the broadcast if we want. Uh, well, we were an hour from kickoff, and uh, there's plenty of people here. It's weird a Friday night's game. I prefer a Friday night game to a. Um, a Monday night game, put it that way, but uh, it's still strange. Everyone's kind of off kilter with their usual regime. But uh, uh, what, have you got the team? I have, yeah. Uh, Leicester have welcomed back Harry Maguire to the defence instead of Soyuncu, who drops out of the squad completely, and Evans comes in on the bench. Other than that, it's the usual the Ndidi hold, Madison and Tielemans go and do your thing kind of formation. Well, there you go. So he's playing alongside Morgan. So aren't you not on the bench either? So you can only imagine he's probably picked up a knock. and They don't want to risk it because they've got so many decent centre-halves. And, uh, well, there we go. So roughly about the same as previous. And Leicester are playing well. They've won 4-1 away at Huddersfield. We haven't done a podcast since. And this is one of those podcasts surrounding the game. We'll be talking at half-time and at the end of the game as well. Uh, everything's just going really well. It, it, nothing really new has happened since the last game. They obviously played Huddersfield. They won the game 4-1. Madison scored a really good free kick. Uh, it was a, a performance that you expected, a result you expected against one of the poorest sides in Premier League history. But again, just keeping the momentum going. And we'll find out towards the end of the season where we are in the league. And apart from that... I hate to say, but there's nothing else really that's been different. Um, the one player I want to talk about is Madison, and I've been a bit of a critic of Madison. I think it's safe to say. I think he's flattered to deceive on many occasions, and I think he's an easy player for supporters to get behind, which is good, but also an easy player for supporters to also forgive and to maybe overlook a poor performance. Is that right? And also, is it right, Rob, that in the last, especially four to five games, he's really stepped up a level? I think so, yeah. He, he prefers the freedom that he's got and the speed at which Leicester City moved the ball now under Brendan Rodgers. No, make no mistake about that. He's much happier... Although the formation is similar and the system is similar, the approach is different and that's really, really told. Uh, the free kicks thing was always bound to come good because he literally spends hours and hours and hours each day practising them. I mean, to get two in his last two games, one in either corner from the same place is pretty special. Um, 
But the thing about Madison is I would liken him to Riyad Mahrez from a couple of years ago. Mahrez was the kind of player where he perhaps wouldn't track back as much as you wanted him to. He would he would sort of dangle his little toe into a tackle but never actually put any kind of effort into it. A uh, bit skinny, bit weedy, but technically very, very able. And the, the better Leicester City played, the more people appreciated the offering that Riyad Mahrez gave to the club. And I think you'll see that now with James Madison. When it was backs against the wall and performances weren't great and results weren't great, then Madison was quite an easy scapegoat, wasn't it? Because he's not the all-action hustle and bustle that you'd get with Wilfred and Didi even if he had a bad game. So I think Madison is benefiting from Leicester playing more positively because he can have more of an impact on the game, which I think is then making the Leicester fans like him more and warm to him more. And and look, we absolutely loved Riyad Mahrez because he can make some a, a, a moment of magic out of nothing and Madison's a similar sort of player. So I think he's he's on the up as the team are. Yeah, I, I agree. I think um, I, I stand by the fact that early on in the season he was playing well, but still, I think there was an awful lot of improvement, which everyone would agree. But uh, he got an easy ride in some games, and, and a lot of people, when he was taken off after an hour or so, were bemoaning the fact that he was. Yes, he's got the potential to do something, but at the time, maybe he was having a, quite a poor game, and it was an obvious substitution. But he really has stepped up and. He's a sort of player. Also, as well, the um, the notion that he can't play out wide has been dispelled. He's a he's an all action number ten, and Gareth Southgate mentioned the fact that he's not been caught up for the England squad because he's just been playing as a number ten. He hasn't either played as a winger or been a, a kind of universal player behind a forward man, if you would like. When straight away, Brendan Rodgers has not in the last game at the King Power, for example, when they played Bournemouth, when they uh, took off. He was Harvey Barnes uh, for Mendy. So you got Mendy and Ndidi in midfield. They pushed Tillemans forward and naturally he went out wide on the left. And it just shows you he can. Any player can do that if they're half decent. And he's more than decent enough. And it's just a matter of confidence and also the training that they've been going through, the uh, the high-intensity training, get them fitter. I think that will certainly benefit um Madison really because of the fact that he got taken off after an hour after all those games it's no surprise that Ndidi is coming for a lot of praise because he's been exceptional and has to have a lot of praise alongside obviously Tillemans which has been the, the main talking point and still no news there was a uh, Q&A with Mr Rogers only a few days ago just talking to a few people actually at the back of the cop where we are now uh, who were actually at that uh, Q&A uh, saying that he spoke a lot of sense he um, said exactly how he wants Leicester to play. An interesting line, though, was apparently he said uh, regarding the style of football, they're not playing the style of football that he ultimately wants. He's going to implement that during the summer, and then next season we will see it. What difference do you think that will be compared to how they're playing now? I, I'm, I'm trying to think. There was also a line about him not having a, a big man up top, and he just went, I don't really need a big man up top. Again, does that mean that we're going to be changing? The, uh, I'm trying to figure out what difference he he will try and implement on the side. I think Brendan Rodgers is such a meticulous coach 
that he will want to make lots of tiny little changes that we might might never even notice on the pitch. Um, I don't know whether it will be a drastic change of shape or a change of approach, but the, the fact there that you said that he speaks a lot of sense is, is completely true. What he's done is he's, he's taken the system that Puel was playing, he's tweaked it a little bit, he's added a couple of his own little ideas into it and just enabled the group of players that are currently here to succeed and be more positive um, because you can't make those kind of wholesale changes when you come in partway through a season. So it, it he's he's been very pragmatic, very sensible. It'll be interesting over the summer to to see exactly what kind of changes he implements. But on the note of a big striker, I think the only reason we were bemoaning the lack of one when Puel was here is because the build-up play was good until the final third and then it was a toss it into the box and hope Vardy can get a sniff of a chance. Whereas under Rodgers, the high press and the um, and the, the more freedom and fluidity in, in the final third means that we're not crossing the ball so often or when we are we're actually picking one out rather than just lumping one into the box so the big man was for me a plan B under Puel if plan A wasn't going so well which it typically wasn't but you'd argue if Brendan Rodgers plan A is going so well does he need a plan B on the bench um, in the shape of a bigger striker or does he trust in what he's getting the players to do because in the short snippet that we've seen it so far, it's been hugely successful. So, I mean, at the moment, we've got no need to have a big man on the bench. And if it carries on like this, then we still would have no need to have one on the bench. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be any way a different formation. I, I think it will be roughly what we're doing now, but maybe a little bit more uh, consistency added on. And I hate to use the word consistency because it's a it's a puelism. Uh, quality, consistency, anything that ends in E like that, it's it's exactly what he said. Um, I still think that in probably two or three years' time we will look back on the Puel era with a bit more fondness than we are doing at the moment. He implemented all the changes that has happened and ultimately Rogers has started to take it on. And um, Apparently he had a big laugh about being the £9 million man because it cost obviously less than £9 million to, uh, uh, to get the guy here. And also, I think it's just another level of football. Maybe he's even referring to the fact that he's maybe got, and I presume this is the fact, that he's got one or two targets lined up and that he can see being a first-team player. As much as we're playing really well now, as seventh in the league, going for five wins on the bounce, there is still room for improvement. Look at Tillemans. He's come in and he's that level above all that we've got at the moment. Um, if I was to ask you, Rob, where in the side can Leicester improve? Where would be your first port of call? I would like us to have a high-level slash world-class option out wide. I think um, Albrighton's obviously um, coming back from injury... Uh, and he's a great squad player to have. Uh, but we have relied too heavily, in my opinion, on Harvey Barnes, who has played well, but he was basically hauled back from West Brom in January, shoved straight on the pitch, and has played pretty much every minute of every game since. Um, Damari Gray's in and out of form. And then Madison, I prefer through the middle rather than out wide. Gazelle, I think you can completely write off. I'd, I'd be very surprised if he's at the club next season. So wide, I think we're struggling. And, and one way that you could possibly do that is look at bringing in a quality right back and pushing somebody like Ricardo further forward because he was a winger 
transferred into a right back and I'm not saying he's playing badly at right back whatsoever I think he's excellent at right back but he also is one of our best attacking options so you could look at it that way and that might be a, a more um, sensible and affordable option to get a well established high quality right back to, to allow you the option to push Pereira forward or at least if nothing else give quality, uh, quality competition for places quality consistency uh, I know what you're saying I, I would kind of disagree in one way because I think Ricardo is an exceptional player in that fullback position I think for me, I would like to see him there because not only is he a good fullback, but also going forward, he he's very good as well. I would like to see him. Maybe I, I agree in terms of out wide. You look at Gray and you look at Barnes. Barnes has got more potential, in my opinion, than Gray. Again, um, he's been playing well, but he's not still. I don't, I don't think he'll ever reach that level of player that will be in a top six side. But um, there is one person who, again, is someone who's been bubbling under the surface at a lower level that's been mentioned with a number of clubs and I've just waited for him to actually really spark into life and really show what he can do and he's now doing it and I know one goal doesn't make a player but Jack Grealish goal the other day there would have been a lot of clubs look at that and go pace, skill, power, finish he might be playing for a move away from Villa if they don't get promoted there could easily be a signing for the likes of Leicester because you have to feel he would come to a club with the set of players that we've got. Again, another young English lad. Um, do you think he would probably be a step up from either Barnes or Gray or or just one of them? The truthful answer is I don't know because, yeah, he's tearing things apart in the Championship, but I think he would have similar struggles to Madison in terms of physicality and being in and out of games in the Premier League I look at him and I see a similar player to James Madison albeit with probably a little bit more pace um, can we afford to have two of those in our in our squad probably not in the in the same 11 so then I don't know I, there's just something that doesn't sit very well with me about Jack Grealish I don't know what it is and and I, I, by all accounts, he's he's improved his mentality over the last year or two, and he's he's obviously maturing as a player because he's still in his early twenties. But there's just something that doesn't quite sit right. And you know what? If James Madison was playing for another team in the Premier League, I'd probably have the same opinion uh, of him. But you can, you tend to like your own more, don't you? I'd hate Jamie Vardy if he didn't play for Leicester. I just think he was one of the most annoying footballers going. I, I kind of still hate Robbie Savage and hated him when he was at Leicester. You know, yeah, No, no, but he, do you know what I mean? How, how dare you? How dare you? Come on. Come on now. We're, talk, we're talking about Savage. But I think Grealish is one of those players who I, I just don't know whether he would upset some, some people at, at some stage. I, I, I completely agree in terms of off the field sometimes on the field behind the scenes whether he would fit in it's just a, a sort of player who really has stood out the last few weeks and we, we're trying to look for again improvement in the side and I think it is out wide I think it is those three spots behind the centre forward granted we need another centre forward alongside Vardy maybe one or two possible youngsters lots of shavens you never know could be brought forward to the football club and say look you could learn off the off the main guy Vardy and then those positions, positions behind Again, Gazelle's not going to be here next year. And if he is here next year, he's still not going to be the finished article. Or, to be honest, again, he's not going to be a top six player, is he, at all? He's not He's not going to be near it in that way. So, yeah, I agree. A winger of some sort. 
a forward of some sort, whether it's on the left, right or central, or whether it's just someone who can play any of those roles. Yeah, I think that's where we're, we're mainly lacking. Obviously, if Tielemans wasn't signed, then we'd have a big gap to plug there. Centre-back, I think we're absolutely fine. Uh, Rogers has talked about Fuchs not being 100% going away from the club, whereas everyone pretty much understood it, that he'd be moving with his family to New York, where they live, I think, at the moment. We've just got some, um, some Friday night revellers with a big Leicester flag draping it they're, over other fans' heads. They're from um, they're the sister club. They got their sister club back. What's the what's the sister club called again? I've got the shirt. The one in Belgium. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one that Sir Pearson was at. That's the flag. Oh, H. Leuven. And he's got a Tillemans purple shirt on. Do you remember the Belgians from Anderlecht used to come over? The Vasilevsky fans. Belgian fans are great, aren't they? Yeah. Friday night, they've come over for the Friday night game. That's what it is. They've come over for the Friday night game. They've got a together fearless and the two two logos. Um. It's completely gone blank. Leuven. Leuven, isn't it? Yeah, Leuven. Yeah, I've got, like I said, I've got, I've got the bloody shirt at home. Anyway, so that's what's happening at the King Power. We're 45 minutes away from kickoff. We'll be letting you know what happens at half time. We'll let you know what happens. You've seen the game before, but you know what I mean. We'll be discussing half time and after the game. We've got Alex Cuthbert. I might grab a quick chat with actually Alex before the game, see what he has to say. He's seen more of Leicester at home than we have over the last few weeks. Although, I was here as a fan last time, so. Uh, quite like to be here as a fan this time as well but we can't drink on duty but never mind anyway we'll be back in a minute so we've just ditched Rob put him back inside the King Power we're still half an hour fully enough the, just said the uh, players have run out and it's still well it's 35 minutes before kickoff. so whether they're late or or we're early or we've completely lost track of time anyway starting with uh, Alex Cuthbert uh, just a, a, an extra voice really on the podcast because we've pontificated and talked rubbish for 20 minutes about how Leicester can improve from four wins on the bounce and where you'd like to improve on next season and which position and talking to you Alex in the Q&A I've just asked the same question to Rob so listeners you'd have heard his answer already but in the Q&A Roger said he would look to improve on next year in terms of the way Leicester are playing and it's going to be a different style Um, what difference do you think it's going to be do you think it, it it's going to be anything drastic or just maybe a, a, a difference in personnel or is it just an answer that he's given to I'm not brush off fans but you know a, a, a decent answer and he actually thinks that Leicester are playing to the max of what this current team are currently capable of well I think maybe he's saying it to excite the fans moving forward obviously a lot of youth in the squad so maybe helping to improve their games and kind of trying to increase the pace even more obviously we've started to play very quickly underneath him moving forward um, maybe playing out for the back even more it's difficult to say really I don't think there'll be a massive change of personnel hopefully if they can keep hold of Tillemans then that would be a massive plus point I think they probably need another winger um, Gray for me just doesn't do it enough shows flashes but consistency is a very much a weak point um, so I mean as I say I think it's something to excite the fans but I wouldn't expect too much change um, next season from the team apart from improvements to the younger players that's it really it's one of the brand new Teslas just driving by actually you can't hear it on the podcast because it's absolutely silent but anyway very nice car um, well there you go well, that's 
exactly the same answer actually that me and Rob were, were discussing a few <laughs> Sorry minutes ago. No, no, no. You, you, you've backed us up actually. You've, and we did not discuss this beforehand. It's all, it's all just off the cuff. Yeah, we are, uh, you know me, I'm a, a critic of Gray. He needs to perform not just week in, week out more consistently, but in the 90 minutes as well. I, again, we said out wide, I mentioned someone like Jack Grealish possibly, but whether that's uh, the right fit in terms of his you know in terms of his behavior off the uh, you know off the pitch we, we will have to wait and see it was just that goal he scored recently when they won two one away an amazing goal and it, it, to me it just opened my eyes and I, I think it will be one of those three positions behind uh, Jamie Vardy that you can improve because beforehand we know we needed someone like Tillemans a passing midfielder in the squad but that just shows you that there are and it's quite obvious but Leicester can attract a player that is better than we current ha- currently have and to try and say to a Leicester fan who have seen them win four on the bounce playing really good football seventh in the league really young side where can they improve it's it you don't really want to drop anyone because they're all playing really well but again I, I think so and I think someone someone also in, in terms of goals because Gray let's face it doesn't score enough goals um, Harvey Barnes Rob uh, made a really good point regarding Barnes he's been dragged back from loan at West Brom because he's been playing very well thrust into the first team into the Premier League playing really well needs a goal to hopefully kick open the stable doors and you know all the horses run out and he scores loads of goals but you're relying on one person starting every game who's only played a handful of games in the Premier League but he is playing well he is yeah um, a lot of pressure on young shoulders and as you say thrown in from one division into a higher division um, different level of competition um, different level of defending Um so yeah, I mean goals is is something that Leicester always struggle without Vardy. Um, I never really fancy us to score if Vardy's not playing. So I think a backup striker, I'd really like to see Mitrovic from Fulham because um, it just gives us a different way of playing as well with a focal point play off him rather than just playing Vardy in behind. Um, so yeah, I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the summer? He'll have Rogers will have money to spend, of course. Um, Will he spend it wisely? Let's hope he spends it wiser than money has been spent in the past um, when we have had lots of money. But y- the future looks bright. You you can say that, but it's just if it's kind of the money is guided in the right direction and they, they really need to hold on to Tillemans because he is the player that makes the difference. Oh, yeah. And it just shows you actually having someone else who can score goals yeah. in the side. You're looking at him, Madison and Vardy, yeah. as I'm not saying the main goal threats, but let's be honest, probably the only goal threats at the moment. I know Barnes and Gray are, but Barnes yet really to score. And Gray, to be honest, a a poor finisher of the ball for someone who's played at number nine for the England under-21s. Quite quite remarkable, really. Um, It makes sense. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Um, I better have a a quick word about today's game. Now, you've seen Leicester uh, at home more than both me and Rob have over the last, let's say, couple of months at least. I was here as a fan last time. Um, rather than on commentary, so it was a, and it was against Bournemouth, and it was, it was a very easy game in yeah. the end. But um, what has impressed you with Leicester since Rodgers has come in, rather than what Rodgers has done? What's impressed you regarding individual players? Have they, in any way, shape, or form, changed their individual performance or the way that they've played, or which person has really kicked on, or actually? Is, the t- is it just slight changes that's made Leicester just generally just click? Or actually, is it all just down to Tillemans? Well, yeah, I mean, you could massively say it's all just down to Tillemans, but I don't think it is. I think 
his introduction has made Ndidi back into the player we originally signed. He's he's transformed Ndidi into one of the best holding midfielders in the league um, because he's doing the job that he knows he's good at. It's like how when Leicester won the league, you had Morgan playing out of his skin because he was just doing what he knows he's good at. Clearing, heading, and that's it. Um, And now, indeed, he's just covering every blade of grass um, and then just gives the ball to Tillemans. Literally, that's like what he's been told by the management. Um, For me, the fluidity of the front players as well was has really kind of opened my eyes is when we go forward it was always got to play it through to Vardy and that's it now the front three behind Vardy are so fluid between their positions and um, really work well together and I think that just creates so much more space with unselfish runs and and such that it just kind of opens the door for so many other players Um, fullbacks pushing on a lot more Ricardo as he had done under Puel was always going forward but it just seems to have more of an effect on the game um, Chilwell I think has gone a little bit quiet but I'm kind of happy with that because it means he's doing his defensive job rather than busting a gut forward every single time so I think all over the pitch you can generally see that everyone's up their game more than anything I think for me I, th- I would agree and I would say it's just more purposeful when they attack when um, I, the one moment of Rogers's tenure at the moment that I think sums up Leicester it's not actually a goal it's the missed chance by Jamie Vardy at home to yeah. Bournemouth yeah. The, the scuffed effort that went wide yeah, when he yeah. should have scored the movement and the Be- they had the ball uh, knocking it around the back line like they have done under Puel and and, and and they have done with Rogers. but then all of a sudden launched an attack and actually it was Gray who held the ball up from an initial ball from Ricardo. He had two or three chances to pass it. It was blocked a couple of occasions. Everyone knew he was going to play it down the line. He did. But still, they could not catch Ricardo. The insightfulness, the quickness, and, and also the directness of the attack. And they knew exactly what they were doing, and it just didn't work out in terms of a goal. But that, for me, summed up what the differences between Leicester now and Leicester were a few weeks ago. And, and also... I think the crowd. I think the crowd are now yeah. more forgiving if if they do miss it or if they do knock it around the back. They're not getting on their back because they know that when they do launch forward, it's going to be quick and incisive. It might not end in the goal, but it's going to be exciting. Yeah, I was literally. Uh, you just took the words right out of my mouth. The crowd have seemed to now understand that Leicester keeping the ball and just passing it around is not a bad thing. It seemed to be under Puel because it wasn't purposeful, like you you just pointed out people were getting frustrated that they weren't going forward every single time now the crowd can see that actually we've got the players who given the time can open the spaces for those chances or is that just the crowd getting on the back of the players because of Puel or is it actually the crowd were just getting on the back of the manager it actually wasn't really about the players that was just it was a reaction to the manager yeah he was never a fan's favourite he was never wanted and I know that's not a nice thing to say but um I think, unfortunately, as soon as he came in the door, everyone was like, well, we never wanted him. And unlike when Ranieri got the job, he almost, obviously almost um, straight away kicked off and kicked on and got results, whereas Puel was kind of very much just kind of trundling along, doing the same things as before. Yeah, that's another thing as well. Results do mask a whole a world of problems and, and errors. If you, you know, you could... You could 
play poorly and, and keep the ball at the back and not go forward. But if you win, you win. And if you're doing well in the league, you're doing well. And uh, it does mask a, a, a lot of problems. And it's happened with a lot of clubs. It's happened with Leicester before. But uh, anyway, on to today's game. We're less than half an hour away from kickoff, so we better actually move and, and actually do some work for a change. So uh, what do you reckon? I'm going to go for, if Leicester score early, I'm going to go for 3-0. If we score early. If not, it could turn into a 1-0 grind. But uh, I'm going to go early goal Leicester and a 3-0 overall win. I'm going to go 3-1. I think Newcastle will score. Um, I like Rondon as a forward player. He's another one that Leicester could potentially look at. Um, but I'm going to go 3-1. Um, I fancy Leicester to win and win comfortably. But I do fancy Newcastle to score. See, the best thing about doing these podcasts when we're actually outside the ground is that we can then discuss at half-time and then at full-time and we can actually celebrate the fact that we've either got it right or we've got it drastically yeah, wrong and we can just try to, try to cover over the fact that we did that. Anyway, OK, so uh, it's starting to get dark. we better get inside the ground and, uh, well, watch the first half and, again, do a bit of work. Right, we better go. Quick. Half-time at the King Power and Leicester losing 1-0 to Newcastle and it's been a very uninspiring first half and everything that we've said pretty much, Alex and Rob, at half-time, or everything we said, sorry, before the game in terms of Leicester being quick, insightful and, 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 and also just, just making their taking their opportunities in terms of attacking. Yes, they've been able to keep the ball in defence Apart from today, this is, this is games before today, they've, they've kept the ball, but when they've attacked, they've attacked with purpose and commitment and speed and almost and also taken risks, and it's worked. And today, we've just slipped back to how we've played under Puel. You have to give credit to Newcastle. They great goal, and they're a very good defensive team, but Leicester just very uninspiring first half. They are, yeah, but I think part of the success under Brendan Rodgers has been Leicester's ability to win the ball back in the opposition half. And the problem is, Newcastle aren't ever having the ball. I think the, the stats will say something like 20 to 25% possession for Newcastle. So Leicester haven't really had the opportunity to go and win that ball high up. So then they've had to try and build from the back. And every time it's getting into a central midfield position, Wilfred and Didi looks like Bambi because he doesn't want that ball into his feet because Newcastle are waiting, 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 and then they're pouncing in packs. They're playing five at the back, four in midfield. Gray's not had the ball facing the opposition goal all game. Chilwell's given the ball away almost as many times as Ashley Young did for Manchester United on Wednesday night, which, by the way, was a terrible fullback performance. Uh, all right, Chilwell's had a shot on target, but... Every time he gets the ball, you think, well, you might as well retreat now, lads, because it's, it's either coming back to Maguire or he's losing it to a Newcastle player. Le Leicester, Brendan Rodgers needs to tell these players, because they've made it clear throughout the season that under Claude Puel, they didn't really have many ideas as to how to break teams down that come and sit and park the bus. Rodgers needs to be in that, in that dressing room telling them how to do it, because they've got the ability, but they haven't got the know-how, clearly. And Rogers, I think at half time, will just be saying, Look, you need to drop into this pocket of space. You need to find this area to, to get on the ball because Newcastle have come to do a job and they're doing it exceptionally well. Yeah, there's plenty of men on Telemans when he does get the ball. I don't think Telemans really touched the ball for the first 20 minutes or so. He became frustrated. He dropped deep to go alongside Ndidi. Thus, in turn, Madison then dropped deep, which means that Vardy's isolated up top. Vardy, on a number of occasions, in my opinion, should have made, maybe made some better runs in terms of just maybe down the channels to uh, give an option for Chilwell when running forward, who's always got Barnes on his outside. 
simple passes are not being made and when they are being made they're not good enough at the moment Chilwell's had a very poor first half uh, Barnes is running through a few blind alleys when maybe a simple ball would have been better uh, Madison's tried a few flicks it's not worked out the centre-halves have had so much possession of the ball how many touches of the ball Maguire's had I have no idea we kept on mentioning on for Fox's sake about Maguire being the playmaker because he has so much of the ball when Leicester are playing in this way and it's just happened again today Tillemans they need to get the ball to Tillemans feet better and, and more often now in many ways if they're going to be sitting back there could be a case of saying well Tillemans can play almost where Ndidi is playing and then pass the ball forward and find Madison and, and Vardy is there an option of maybe bringing on Albrighton's on the bench possibly maybe bring Albrighton on for Ndidi and say look they're just going to counter attackers we don't really need Ndidi in the side we can play Tillemans there yeah, I was, do you know what? It's funny, I was thinking that. Every time I've seen Ndidi get the ball in the centre circle, I thought Tielemans could have taken a touch and shifted that on really quickly, whereas Ndidi has taken three, four, five touches and then sort of a laboured pass. And it's no slight on Ndidi. Look, he does his job exceptionally well. Most tackles in the Premier League this season. But when a team aren't really coming at you, you don't need a tackler in your team. Um, and Leicester need to find a way to, to get the ball forward. I'll just pick up your point about Harvey Barnes. Yes, he's running into a couple of blind alleys, but at least he's running with the ball. He's the, true, only, true, true. He's the only Leicester player that's actually yeah, yeah. tried to make something happen. Madison's tried a couple of half turns here and there, but Barnes is the only one that's actually committed defenders. And he got himself into the penalty area a couple of times at pace. Far side, Gray's been absolutely nowhere nowhere near on his attacking game. And a point I just made to Alex, who's just gone to fetch us some pies, legend. Um, <laughs> Every time Gray's had the ball, Richie's been on his ankles, right? Who got the assist for the Newcastle goal and whipped in a dangerous ball 10 minutes later? Matt Ritchie. So if Gray is being nullified as an attacking threat by Ritchie, who is then getting so far forward that he can make the assist uh, with the cross, what, what is Damari Gray offering the Leicester team in the first 45 minutes? Yeah, we mentioned Ricardo before the game, fabulous player, but it happened even only a couple of times against Bournemouth where they managed to get beyond Ricardo on a couple of occasions and I think teams are looking at Leicester thinking Ricardo, as much as he's a very very good player he's possibly the weakest in terms of the fullbacks and if you're going to get to Leicester that's one side also they're not going to have the right winger which is Gray come back and help there was another occasion where um, the ball was chipped across and it was uh, Almiron it was just beyond him he, he went to control it with his foot maybe he could have controlled it with his head or his chest and he would have been in and uh, Ricardo was nowhere he was, he was too busy following the ball and standing alongside Morgan so plenty of question marks this is all obviously instant it's half time you can hear the music and you can hear the, 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 the t-shirt cannons being fired off what it looks like on TV God only knows but it's uh, very uninspiring and at half time it was deathly silence wasn't it at half time so anyway well things can only get better Leicester behind at half time we'll <laughs> back at the end of the game So outside the back of the cop after the match, in fact, uh, the game didn't last 90 minutes, Rob. We've played another 90 minutes, all the crowd have gone, and then the players came back onto the field. They played a full 90 minutes, then they played another 90 minutes. It's now Saturday morning, it's about half four in the morning. They've played four games of football and Leicester are yet to score. You get what I mean? I do get what you mean. Uh, Pete's just stolen that off of uh, Jim, who's one of the supporter management famous. team here. Famous Jim, for famous for his celebrations. Um, 
he's just uh, passed us and said we could have been here all night and not scored. And I think that's, uh, if you wanted to keep the summary of the match brief, I think that would be it. Newcastle came, did a job, did the job extremely well. Iose Perez has scored an, an, a phenomenal goal. It's a really, really good goal. Um, and look, Leicester had an off night. Newcastle came and did the job. That's th- three away wins all season for Newcastle. Here's another stat for you. First time they've beaten us in consecutive games in Leicester in the top flight since 1959. But the thing is, that's them safe. And that means an awful lot to them. You know, they celebrated the final whistle like it was do or die. And it is. That's 38 points. I can't see Cardiff making up that many. So, you know, fair play to Newcastle. They've they've come. They've got exactly what they wanted. Um, And now we've just got to look at ourselves and how we reset for the last four games of the season. Exactly. I, I will just, again, say about Newcastle, they, they've done a job. They came to defend and maybe grab one on the break, which they did in a, in a, in a, in a fashion. Um, and they could have maybe had another one, hit the bar with a fantastic free kick, and Leicester just didn't create enough. But in terms of Newcastle, yeah, they, 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 they're not a very good side, in my opinion. I don't think they're a very good side, but... If you look at Leicester, then this could have been as a few years ago, doing the same thing. So fair play to them. Now we'll look at Leicester. Um, many people will be saying this was basically a, a club world performance. It was very reminiscent. How many, how much possession? Not only did Leicester have, but how much possession did Maguire have? It looked like Maguire again was the the playmaker. We mentioned that at half time, I think, because normally when we do these sort of podcasts before, during, and and after the game, the half time two minutes we talk is complete nonsense because the adrenaline is up to our eyeballs because of doing the commentary in the first half and you normally just talk garbage more garbage than uh, normal some may say that's not possible but uh, oh, yeah. anyway it was just disappointing it was everything we said pre-game didn't happen all the plus points from the previous weeks didn't happen um, you have to say Leicester were just disappointing across the park no one really played well so first of all from Ndidi to Tillemans to Gray wasn't really there and, and Barnes tried but Havardi had a chance it, it, no one really played well but where would you not label the blame but where do you think Leicester went wrong where, what, what was the problem today I just think they oh, the teams they've played so far under Brendan Rodgers have, most of them have, have had a go and that's created spaces for Leicester. So that so Leicester have felt that they can sweep forward in waves of counter-attacks. They didn't move the ball quickly enough when presented with the um, the Newcastle wall of 10. Um, you know, and I don't want to label any players in particular, but Ndidi epitomised it. It took him three touches just to get the ball under control um, in the centre circle. And that then... Um, that then led to to him being closed down, but also it led to his pass putting the um, the player that he passed to under pressure because it just took so long that every time Leicester dallied on the ball, Newcastle were right up on the backside, especially in the Newcastle half, and that, that the pace was the problem. Yeah, Alex is, uh, is is with us once again. Alex, you, you actually parked in the car park behind the cop, actually. Uh, <laughs> we, we've got to walk to Elston Road. We, we were walking and talking, but you've stopped us. Uh, I'll ask the same question I asked Robert a second ago and Robert continues to answer as, as we walk up towards Elston Road but um, where did Leicester go wrong today? What what was different today than has been so right in the last three or four weeks? The intensity. 
pretty much as simple as that and the quality of the passing um, just so slow I mean you made a comment as we came out did Claude Powell give the team talk before and during the game like it was the same pace that we did before sideways passing backwards passing Tillemans couldn't get in the game indeed he gave the ball away Chilwell was probably the worst player on the pitch and the two wide men for Leicester Gray and Barnes didn't create anything and Vardy looked cut a frustrated figure up top by himself um, didn't move a great deal though as well so um, and then one mistake and they score and to be fair they could have had three or four in the end um, just a bad day at the office it was going to come eventually the honeymoon is now over honeymoon period is now over for Brendan Rodgers and it will be interesting to see how they perform in their next game um, after this and if he makes any changes because that just wasn't acceptable yeah it, it will be interesting to see if he makes any changes or will they just turn around and say well actually that's the job that he's got uh, gone on his plate at Leicester that's the team that we have and when teams come and defend as well as Newcastle do then we do have a problem to try and break down teams who, who do sit it was noticeable in the second half when they I won't say push forward but when they broke and it opened the game up more then Leicester looked more threatening because they could actually get beyond their midfield and, and run at the defence but in the first half they just couldn't do that but does this highlight because we were trying to before the game pinpoint where Leicester can improve and we all mentioned in the wide positions and just behind the forward line does this highlight that that actually is our not weakness but it's a place that we can actually improve because we need someone who can pick a hole and maybe just do that bit of magic yes we've got Madison but we need more yeah you need that player who can make something out of nothing in those tight spaces Gray got the ball in lots of tight spaces and had to go back up the line Barnes tried a few things but didn't really come off Madison was more often than not turning back towards the halfway line you did, at no point did either of did any of our front three really take a ball on the half turn or just try and change direction a little bit they they got it got it under control and then looked up and then had to ship it back 10 15 yards nobody really tried it. the only person with any real attacking industry tonight was Harvey Barnes and he'll get called out for for losing the ball but I'd rather him have a go at the fullback and lose the ball than do what Gray did in particular and and just be safe get a touch get your body between you and the fullback just about and lay it back down the line towards the halfway line because if you don't take chances in the in the opposition's um final third you're never going to create anything, especially not against a team that was so well drilled. I mean, Benitez didn't leave the edge of that technical area all game. Um, and the players knew exactly where they needed to be. So we needed to do something a little bit different that they weren't expecting, that they couldn't deal with. Uh, and we didn't. Simple as that. Nobody had that moment of, of magic tonight. And look, it's not going to happen every game. Is it? Is it a disaster losing 1-0 to Newcastle who are fighting for survival? No. Um, you've just got to hope that in, in the next four games remaining four games that the players that you're looking to for these creative moments can actually create them my memory goes back to when we lost at Watford on the uh, first game for uh, Brendan Rodgers and we said on the podcast look he's basically seen an absolute typical Leicester performance and he now knows what job he's got and then we've had a really good run of wins and good performances He's then seen what we've got in a good sense. Now we're back to a home defeat, which was reminiscent to many home defeats or many disappointing home performances against teams under Puel. He's now seen 
again, the bad side of Leicester. So overall, I, I agree, it's not the end of the year, but it was just a disappointing display because we've just gone back to type, which we've not done for the last few games, which again is disappointing. And that's the word, it's not disaster, it's just a bit disappointing.